What's up, Stalemates? Welcome to another episode. Very different guest today. We got a very different background too. Normally you see me in my basement, like a, like Wayne's World style, but today we got the full production. Uh, we got Tyler and John in the house. Say what's up, but most importantly, don't forget Tara. Tara chief fan Tara, my favorite chief fan. Yeah, no, we don't, yeah. And then we also have the superstar of the show, Joey the Needle. What's going on, Joey? Uh, I'm doing all right, I guess. Yeah, Joey. Uh, so Joey wrote the book here. Um, I read this book. I it's funny. So. We're both from Centerville, which is where we're at right now, here in Southern Iowa. And um, whenever I was talking about doing this whole show, I was like, we need to, I think I was joking around with these guys. I was like, I was like, I think I'm gonna try to get the needle on the show. Cause I remember reading your article back in what, 2013? 2013. Yeah, and um, I remember like, just being like, how did I not know about this? Cause it's- Yeah, it's Centerville, Iowa. How did you not know about this? Yeah. And um, I remember just, it was in study hall. They had the newspaper out. And I remember just being like, you know, reading it and just being super fascinated. It always stuck in my mind. And then whenever we started doing this whole podcast thing, I remember joking with these guys, like, I think I'm gonna try to get the needle on the show. <laughs> I think John was like, heck yeah, do it. Yeah, I was like, you need to get somebody like really interesting and out there. <laughs> get them yeah, really out there, you got that right. He's like, Joey, they know. I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and so we ended up, um, you know, I added you on Facebook, and I reached out and I said, I said, um, hey man, I have this podcast. I'm from Centerville. We have such and such subscribers. Um, would you be interested in coming on? I bought the book, and I'm going to read the book. And your response was, why don't you go ahead and read the book, and then let me know if you still want me to be on your show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you uh, do you think people? Do you think it was going to be like a people would think it was not a good thing to have you on or? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, my thing is that people might look at this and say you're glorifying criminal activity. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to, it's not like it's glorifying it. I just want to get, like, your story out. I read the book in two days, yeah. and, uh, and I can barely even read. And <laughs> uh, I just freaking flew through it, and I was like, I, wanna, I want you to come on here and, and tell your story. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem, man. Whatever. Whatever helped you out, man. Yeah, hopefully we can sell a couple copies. We'll put yeah. a link down in the description below for you guys to for you guys to buy. It's it. self-published. To be honest with you, why why I had the article in the Morning Register. I was fishing for a literary agent years ago, and I was hoping maybe th this the article in the Morning Register was actually picked up by major newspapers, mm. and uh, I was hoping to you know catch a literary agent, maybe get it published by a major publisher. Because my pitch on the book was. It's every bit as good as an orange and new black or the Wolf of Wall Street. That's yeah. my pitch on the book. Yeah. You know, and uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, he screwed a lot of people out of a lot of money. He, he, right. he, he should still be in prison like Bertie Madoff, really. And the uh, orange is the new black, was a, the series was good, but the book, what I got of it, she was some whiny chick who went to jail for a year and thought she's some kind of crusader when she got there. That's the bank I got of the book. Did you, did you they, read? They made a lot more money, but had a hell of a lot better time. Did you read both those books? I, I saw the Wolf of Wall Street. I didn't. I'm not a. He was a con artist. I, I dealt with enough con artists. I didn't want to read it too. I saw the movie, but I, I did read Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, I feel like you were ahead of your time with with the uh, books and stuff. Like I don't know if that if it's like a new genre or whatever for uh, like you know criminal books or whatever. But now, like you look at Netflix, like the biggest documentaries are like the ones about crime. The Irishman. Yeah. The yeah. Irishman too. Yeah. Like all that yeah. stuff. Or yeah. What, yeah. What was the name of that show? The Irishman one. The Irishman yeah. with um, who's that. the guy? Yeah, the Irishman. <clears throat> the, oh, uh, uh, he was the mob guy. 
what's the, the director guy? Martin yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Casino and that. Yeah. Who do you think would play you in a movie if you if you had a man? I don't know. Pesci. People say when I was younger, look, I look like Sylvester Sloan, but he's too okay. old now. Yeah, I see that. I yeah. don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't get that at all. You see these pipes right here. Which camera <laughs> I'm looking at right here? Um, but let's talk about what actually, like people who they don't even know your story yet. Um, so back in what the late 80s early 90s you started selling steroids yeah but, uh, before 1990 they weren't a controlled substance they're pretty easy to get uh but after the 1988 Seoul olympics ben johnson beat carl lewis in a foot race and the uh, government threw a fit over it and made him a controlled substance so okay good stuff was hard to get i knew there'd be a market there and i knew how to get good stuff yeah, so you, in the book, you talk about like your early athletic days, which you have an insane memory, because some, some of these events that you're talking about, you remembered that, that, what it was like that day. But you gotta think, I wrote this book when I was in Marion, Illinois, at a federal penitentiary. Yeah. All you have to do, you, there's nothing else to do in there. So, you, so I would zone out yeah. and, and remember all this stuff. I mean, you're gonna ask me stuff today I probably forgot about. You know? Yeah. But I, I, it would just, I would zone out, or I'd get up in the middle of the night and write stuff down and remember. It was like... I don't have that good a memory, but if you don't have anything else to do but time, I mean, right. you remember stuff like that. Right. Reflect back on a lot of stuff. But you would, talk, you would talk about these events and it, like, it was like, I have a good I memory. I can't even remember like <clears throat> hardly anything. And I was graduated like five years ago, but I can't even remember like my records and stuff, but you remembered your split times oh, and yeah. everything. Oh, I'm, I know my split times. <laughs> I used to be a pretty fast runner in my day. Yeah. Uh, I remember my track times, I do. So you ran at William Penn, uh, you played baseball at uh, Indian Hills for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then all that kind of was like not working out. You were kind of getting burned out and you had, you know, problems with the coaches and whatnot, and so you started working out. Yeah. And you, one day someone offered you steroids? I, I, I fished for them. You could get them back. Back in the, back in the mid-'80s, you could, you could get them pretty easy. Yeah. Like I say, it, they weren't hard to come by, like they were a controlled substance. Well, what's that conversation sound like? You just go over to a guy and be like, hey, man, I know, uh, you're, I, I know you're juicing. You know people. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you know how to get stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so you... Started. I think that's that's '80s conversation. I don't remember. Yeah. I have a pretty good memory about the '80s, but I don't remember hey who to approach and stuff. What year did you first dabble? I think it was '80. What '85? '85. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I took a couple of cycles of Dianable. How uh, is, that, is that the most popular one? Depends. I, I mean, feel like that's the one I hear whenever like UFC people get busted is like Dianable or uh, a lot of people get. Busted What's the other test? one? That John Jones got busted for like Turinable or something like that. Yeah, I people get busted. People forget busted for like Nandrolone and Equipoise stuff. Like they don't know what they're doing because that shit stays in your system forever. I don't know what they're doing. Right. Because some of that stuff like stays in your system for a year and a half. Right. I mean, some of it. Uh, old school tests would have been easy to beat. I don't know about today because I'm out of it. But old school tests would have been easy to beat because old school tests. If you took pills and it was out of your system in six weeks, mm. you could take water based testosterone and it was out of your system. A day or two, mm. but I don't know how. Like I say, I'm out of it. I don't know what the testing is today. I don't know. It's probably more complex. Okay. The old school testing, they would have been hard to beat at all, mm. if you knew what you're doing. Mm. So, you started down a little bit. How long until you actually started saying, "Okay, I want to go from the consumer side to the user or to the seller side"? When uh, when they made a controlled substance, I was still wanting to dabble in it, but there's a lot of fake shit on the market. Mm. I mean, a lot of stuff that garbage so I knew how to get good stuff and people 
word of mouth, and then I started selling. So you, before you would get into the Ukrainian stuff, because it yeah. gets a whole lot crazier, before that, your first like attempt or whatever at it was going to vet clinics? Yeah, I, Wichita V is sold at vet clinics, and I knew uh, they carried it or could get it for you, and I, I would borrow my dad's greyhounds and uh, pretend I was a dog man, and it was I could get basically when I want what I wanted. Because your dad raised greyhounds for like hunts. They're called field trial dogs. Okay, what's that? They mean? Uh, what they do is they'll uh, they're like a a dog race through the woods. Mm. They like, they get like a, a coon's drag drag it through the woods. They'll hang like a coon up in a tree, and it's like a mile run. And or, you gamble on that or what? No, it's more for the it's more for the sporting people. Oh, gotcha. They, yeah, like if you enter a dog and he and he hits the line first, yeah, you win money. The, the dog owners do, mm-hmm. but like spectators don't bet on it. Okay. Doesn't that make sense? It's more like a sport. Yeah, yeah it's for, for the yeah, for the sports people, the dogs. That okay. makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So then you started um you go you were going to vet clinics and you said you dressed up like a like a farmer? Yeah, I knew a ball hat, old clothes. What's that sales pitch like? You just go up and say, "Hey, I need." Would they yeah. just give it to you? More than likely, yeah. They didn't. It got it got where they just mail it to me. I just asked for a call for refill. And they That's just, crazy. They just mail it to me. And that that kind of steroids humans could take. Yeah, I mean, it's veterinary grade, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it. it, it they're more worried about animals than our people. It's not going to hurt anything. You know Was it cheap? Mm, not really. Not really. Then you. Not withdraw. Withdrawal is not cheap. Right. When you would go to sell it to people, would you tell them like, "Hey, this is actually for horses"? But you. Oh, that says be right on there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they. If you did research, I mean, it says right on there for horses, cats, and dogs. Winstrol. I mean, yeah, Winstrol is a veterinary drug in America. Anybody who takes steroids, they, that's just the way. Winstrol is not made for human use in America. Is it just? Is it just as good? Um, it makes you springy. It won't put much weight on you. It's Track guys like it. Mm. Bodybuilders like it. Mm. If you want to get stronger, you take test, Decadurabol, and Dianabol, rule of thumb. That's, that's, I don't even know what you just said. I just have <laughs> like a foreign language. There, there's some juices out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, your original nickname was Joey the Doctor, but I like Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe. And, I, and sometimes Dr. Feelgood. That was kind of what I was <laughs> I always think it was funny whenever you'd have like a fighter, uh, like, you know, underweight, you'd be like, they just call up Dr. Joe and I got you back on track. Yeah, like I said earlier, man, you wrestled at 106. I, like, I could have pumped you right up to, I could have made you heavyweight. Man. I looked for your, I, yeah, I know. I looked for your ads in the yellow pages, I couldn't find you. I should have, uh, should have called around. Um, so then you, you, you did the whole vet clinic thing, that well kind of dried up, and then you started, uh, you somehow got a hold of a prescription pad? I got pad. prescription pads, and I was pretty good with the prescription pads. Yeah. I knew how to write. I got a hold of a position. Can you talk about how you got the prescription pad? Uh, better than I better not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys got to remember that this wasn't that, that long ago. It was yeah. Like the, t- 20. Uh, the statute of limitations probably wore out, but uh, I'm not going to tell. He, this he, first time I ever wore wire anyway. It's yeah. kind of eerie. I didn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so you got a hold of a prescription got pad. Got a hold of a prescription pad. Oh, you use one. All you do, well, none, you copy them off. You got, there's copy machines, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. So how did you know how to even, because in the book, you actually um, show a picture of, like, when you would write a prescription, what that would look like. How did you know the, the numbers and the lingo and all that? Oh, uh, you look up in the, phys- you get a physician's death reference book. Mm-hmm. And plus, it, it's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. It really is not. I mean, 
I'm weirdly smart in some ways, and that's just one thing I was weirdly smart in. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think you ever could have uh, maybe done the medical school route? I got two cousins who are Fed lawyers, and we'll talk about the one that bailed me out of a hell of a jam, but I kind of got some lawyer in me. You have a lawyer blood in me, but not doctor. I feel like uh, when we get into like some of the when we get into the part where we get into your trials and stuff like that, you, it felt like you kind of knew more than some of the lawyers because you were like, I knew this guy didn't know anything about Fed law or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you know, you, so you got a hold of a prescription pad, you would write your own prescriptions, you would take them in to just- I'd would, call ahead of the pharmacy first to make, the, make sure they had it. Yeah, were, were they carrying that kind of stuff at that they, time? They, they would if you had said you had a prescription. And who- They would order it for you. Who was legally getting steroids, like for what? Like people like me who can't put on weight or well, what? Um, Today's world, they give you for testosterone replacement therapy. When you hear testosterone replacement therapy, that's what you're getting. Okay. That makes sense. But what, what for low T? When you hear them for low T, mm -hmm. that's that's what they're giving you. It's the same thing. The same damn thing. You just got to go to medical school to sell. Well, it. you got to go to a doctor to get it. A yeah. real doctor, not Doctor Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> not me. So then you started. Um, did you ever get turned down by people? No, because I would. Uh, Call ahead? Yeah, I call ahead. I kind of knew which I knew which pharmacies to go to. Yeah, and were you going to the same pharmacies, or did you um, try to switch it up? Um, there was one one town I hit all the pharmacies. It was a pretty liberal town I knew, and plus you could write for refills, and they'd have it ready for you. And you call in six or three months later to have a refill ready for you. So they kind of they kind of knew they already knew if, you and stuff. You're like a regular customer. Well, I mean, I, I didn't write my real name on it, but right. I mean, I had what a, name I, did you use? I, I used a lot of fake names. <laughs> <laughs> then you, any come off the top of your head? Jeff Phillips is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so then you you know you did that whole route, and then this is where we get into the crazy part. So yeah. I think a lot of people maybe uh, from around here that knew your story just thought you were selling steroids like locally and stuff. Thought they knew my story. They thought they knew your story. <laughs> you started dealing with the Ukrainians, yeah. which if you know anything about steroids or anything, um, that's where the good stuff was. Eastern Europe, yeah. So how did you get the tie from? Well, Europe, period. Local Centerville, Iowa, Southern Iowa, just north of Missouri, Missouri border, to Ukraine. There was a pro. There was a pro steroid magazine out in the 1990s called Muscle Media 2000. It's pretty much an open book. I mean, they you you would read the magazine. It told you about all the roids, everything in there. It was pro steroid. I mean, they were pushing roids. And uh, one day, I. Uh, there's a guy that wrote a letter to the editor from the Ukraine saying he wanted to uh, start a bodybuilding friendship between Americans and Ukrainians. And I read between the lines, I wrote him a letter and said, send me, send me your list, pal. I know what's going on here. And he sent me a list. That's wild. So you, I feel like most people probably would have read that, and I didn't know exactly how it was read, but. I wish I, wish I could have that I, I I lost that magazine, but. Anybody, I read between the lines. It was, I read between the lines. We actually have the article here. No, I'm just kidding. I wish you did. I wish you did. Yeah, we, well, we tried to find it. We were looking around <laughs> and stuff, but we couldn't find anything. It's hard to find some of this stuff. I know. I know it is. But I'm we, antique. It, this was like 1995. People don't think about like the, that this was before the tech boom. Like people today would be like, oh, a connection to Russia, that could be definitely accomplished. But like yeah. you're, you're responding to a magazine ad. Yeah. Like, it's wild. 
was yeah. there a was this a national publication magazine? Yeah. And so could you just buy this at like freaking what the off magazine or something? Yeah, yeah, it was Muscle Media two thousand. And so they were just advertising like. Oh yeah, it was open market. Yeah, because yeah, this was like back in the nineties. Nobody really cared. Right. It was illegal, but nobody really cared. Right. Then the guy he kind of got away from. It. I don't know if he took some heat, but a guy named Bill Phillips ran the magazine. I think Bill mm. Phillips. Okay. But anyway, he got away from it. But uh, yeah, there for a while it was free for all. I just tell you, it, it, we mentioned there Greek pharmacies. That was a big place people were getting them. Greek pharmacies. Greek pharmacies. Why is why is that? It's legal over there. You can go in the East, be able, you can be able to go in a pharmacy and get steroids in Greek. Okay. See, when I first started selling this stuff, in today's world, it's all underground lab shit. Yeah. Back then, it was it was top of the line pharmaceutical grade. That's the big difference between what's going on today and, and, and now. Hmm. That makes sense There's because just... all the stuff I was getting from from Ukraine, you get you could get out of a pharmacy in Poland, you get out of pharmacy in Greece, Iran. I mean, it was top of the line. The stuff now. How it's coming in, people know people are getting in powders from China or India, and it's basically like a clandestine lab, and they're making it in their own basement. Hmm. Pharmaceutical grade stuff is not very popular on the market now. Hmm. So you read between the lines, and I think a majority of people that would go through that magazine would just see that ad and just go to the next page. What was it that made you say, "I think there's something else going on here"? I'm gonna I'm gonna get in touch with these guys. Well. Um, I knew the East German women. Yeah. East Germany. They they had the they were I knew everybody knew they were doping their athletes. That part of the world. Everybody knew that the excuse me, athletes were being doped. And I yeah. read between the lines and I mean that was that was a no brainer. I mean that's just something I figured out in a hurry. What'd you say in that letter? Because you wrote them a letter saying I want I'll, I want in on what you got going on. What'd you I say? Told him I said I knew what he had, man. Send me a list. I know you guys got good stuff over there. And then he wrote back? He wrote back. What Send me say? a list. He sent you the sent list. Sent me a list with a price price list. And what was that looking like? What was the price? Pretty 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 good stuff. Pretty good price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you uh, you wrote him a letter, and then in the book you talk about what I thought was interesting is like you talked about you know you're like oh you're thinking should I do it or not, and you weren't really necessarily worried about getting in trouble. It was more like is this guy going to take my four hundred dollars? No. I had pretty. I, I I thought I'd get my stuff because I the old Soviet Union. I knew that people. They needed money, right. you know, and if, and if they ripped me off four hundred bucks, so be it. But they, I knew that you know that they want to run a business because they're they're poor over there and they they need a steady income. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. They they don't just want the four hundred dollar rip one time pay. They want to start a business. And I I, I kind of got that with this guy. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, you. I knew he was. I, I, but the list and stuff. Yeah, I knew he's a businessman. And did he tell you how many people actually responded to that ad? Once I got over there, he did. But not. It was the letter was pretty. What I did, I went and got a banking. I went and got a, uh, a banker's check, mailed it to him, told him what I wanted, and uh, it, it arrived. Hmm. So what was that? What was that day like? You, you know, you sent him the four hundred dollars. You're like. Because it's not like Amazon Prime now where you get that stuff in two days. You probably had to wait like a week. Oh, no. It was probably four to six weeks. Four to six weeks? Yeah. Dang. I People would lose their the, minds now. I actually <laughs> had to sign for the package, too. Yeah. And so this, That's a, this guy shows up. You know, probably know what it was, right? What's that? And you probably knew what he had, right? You probably, like, that was the only thing coming in the mail for you or no? No, I, I, it, he told me I was going to come. Exactly. I was going to so come in a box. You're going to have to sign for it, and it's going to be these little wooden eggs. And you're gonna have to take a 
You're going to have to take a saw and cut the eggs open and stuff will be in the eggs. And that's how they're getting it through For, customs? In the beginning. Okay. So you finally, the eggs finally arrive. You get, you go to like True Value and buy a saw, buy right? Buy a saw and cut it open. And cut it open. You said the first one took you like an hour? Yeah, because I didn't want to break. I, I ordered some vials, bottles. And I didn't want to break them. How much, I guess, how, like, how big of a supply was it in the beginning? $400. I probably made... Well, I probably doubled my money, mm -hmm. so I probably made 800 bucks off of that. Plus, people are kind of skeptical because the, 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 at first, the pills didn't come in original packaging. Mm -hmm. He stuck the pills in an egg, and I had to tell him, hey, I'm, and once I got it out to people and they were using it, they said, yeah, this is good stuff. And the word started getting around town, like? Word started, I, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have dealt much in town. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was going to weightlifting contests, you know, bench press meets. And that's, there's, a, there's an open market there. People always want stuff, you know. Did people believe you when you tell them, hey, I got this from the Ukraine? Yeah, because they knew I'm not, not a bullshitter. They know I'm a pretty straight shooter. So you only sold to people that kind of knew you then? Yeah, 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 at the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. And so, yeah, you're kind of killing it. This stuff sounds like hotcakes. You're building this relationship with the Ukrainians. They eventually say, hey, we want to uh, make you our guy. Well, here's what happened. He got nailed on his end because he was stuffed... He was putting your, that stuff. Your partner in the Ukraine. Yeah, he got nailed on his end because uh, he was he was shipping these little wooden eggs, and he, it was a generic design on the eggs. And mm -hmm. over there, in the, the postal people caught on to him first. And uh, in Ukraine, they don't care about steroids, but you can't be selling stuff without paying taxes. He bought his way out of it basically, and he owed me some, uh, a supply of it. He owed me, yeah, he owed me some, because one of my packages got intercepted by him, his people. And I wrote him a letter. He said, I, you know, I'm having problems. I said, well, just send me what you can. I'm not worried about my money back. And so that's when we developed a good relationship. From there on, I didn't pay for anything up front. It was sent to me on the spot. Mm. So he thought it was pretty cool that I, I wouldn't. He had a lot of crybabies wanting their fucking money back, you know, being little whiny bitches. I was like, hey, man, <laughs> shit happens. Yeah. You know, get it to me if you can. And he said, thanks. Anything you want from now on, it, it's coming to you, and then you pay me later. And so he started trusting you a little bit, and yeah. he was like, I'm going to start sending you more than yeah. everybody else. Yeah, and then he starts selling, and, and he started sending me it's pretty in letters, yeah. envelopes. And that was a, I was his guinea pig on that because the letters come open, and I got nailed in 1996. And that's kind of, that's the first time you got first in trouble. First time I got in trouble. So you got in trouble in 1996. He started sending them in uh, envelopes, and that would get kind of crushed. Got crushed, And yeah. the postal... Uh, yeah, they, people. They, they come in on me. Yeah, so what was that first time you got popped for? I was riding around town, and he, he sent me, a, and I was expecting a bunch of packages. And he, uh, and I remember I was down by the YMCA rec center here, <clears throat> and I saw a couple of police cars, and they stopped me, and a guy, a couple postal inspectors jumped out of their van. They had an armful of packages. I'm like, oh, fuck. They man. were yours? They were mine. Yeah. <laughs> Coming you, to me. Because you had... Uh, P.O. boxes. I had a P.O. box here in Centerville. I just had one here for at that. At that time? At that time. And so they, you, they kind of, they got you and then they, they took you me. down to the station? Yeah. I, uh, I tried to play where uh, I needed a lawyer stuff and they wouldn't buy it. If I had to do it over again, I'd probably fight it because they refused to give me a lawyer. Yeah. And I would, but they were like, ah, uh, you know, we're not going to do anything to you, blah, blah, blah. I told him it's Clem Buterall. They didn't know what the fuck Clem Buterall was. <laughs> I don't but anyway, <laughs> uh, it took him three years to make a finally give an arrest on me. Three years? What were they doing? Why three years? I don't years? know. I, have, I, I, can't answer, I can't answer for him. No, yeah. I have no idea. 
And so I thought they was going to forget about it. And I you, had, you had told them uh, at that point, you told them you had like a mail order bride or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I told them I was getting shit. I wasn't going to tell them, but I told them I was hooked up with a doctor in Ukraine and she was mailing me shit. Yeah, and then so you basically got like a, you didn't do much time for that. Did I you? didn't do any time. I got like a parking ticket. Be honest with you. Yeah. Serious misdemeanor. Yeah, that's Carriers. crazy. Is that looking back, looking back, I was pretty. I was kind of worried about them, but looking back, I'm like, compared to what was going to go on in the future. Right. That was a, that was a parking ticket. Right. And so, would you? Would that happen today? What? What would you have gotten in trouble for if that happened like today? What, what would that look like? Time or would it be a parking ticket again? If you got my for me. Well, like yeah, if, well not for, for me. You, if like for I, your if, first time. Yeah. I was serious. State to state. Yeah. For for uh, you, if you got caught with a bunch of stuff, parking ticket. Parking ticket. Well, not a bunch of stuff. Personal use stuff, parking ticket. So but don't let them, t and they're going to come in and tell you, you know, <laughs> that you're going away forever, blah, 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 parking ticket. I feel like I'm just going to have you be my lawyer. Parking ticket. Missouri, <laughs> the, like, Missouri, you're caught, possession's a felony. Yeah. And Iowa, possession is a parking ticket. Serious, don't let them tell you, and it's serious misdemeanor, aggravated misdemeanor. All right, let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you up from that 106. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be fighting at 125 soon. <laughs> um, so you get in trouble for that. Every time you got in trouble, it didn't phase you pretty much until the uh, end, but you just would, in the book, you said like, as soon as you would get in trouble, you'd call the Ukrainians and say- I took about a, I took about a uh, I took some time off after the first time I got caught. How, how much time? About six months. That's nothing. That's a oh, vacation. Yeah, that's sick. Because I, then we, uh, he, he, he uh, developed into a better smuggler. Uh, yeah. Through me. Can you talk about the other ways he would do it or no? Well, it got in 1998 when it got big. I mean, we was getting in on airplanes. I mean, we 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 come in from a nickel and dime operation to where it was. I mean, we were getting shit smuggled in on airplanes. We figured it out. So you. 1996, you got arrested. They didn't actually bring you back in until 1999 when they yeah. started charging you. Were you selling in that three-year time? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So six months was... No, I didn't bother me. Oh, that's when I got... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And at that point, were you still trying to grow the business or were you just... It was getting big. Yeah. You, I, were, you were trying to keep it, keep it going. Oh, it was going. Yeah. And so that's when they started bringing you... They're like, we can trust this guy. He got yeah. in trouble. He didn't say anything. Yeah. He didn't. Well, they knew you. He I, wasn't I, mad that our that. Well, I, 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 I wrote him letters. Hey, man, you, you know, you sent me that letter, crushed them pills up. I mean, you guys, it's on, it's on fucked you. up. You got, you got to do something better than this. You know. And, and so he started really trusting you. He yeah. started sending you more stuff. And yeah. in the book, you talk about the first time he sent you a big package. Before it was like little envelopes and stuff. Yeah. And one day you go and they sign. They say, hey, well, you got a big one. Oh uh, yeah yeah. How big was uh, that shipment? Oh, I mean, I mean, I got lots of big shipments, man. Well, the first one you said that it was oh, like I mean, such was, a big there, box you couldn't get in your trunk. There were probably at least ten thousand tabs of Russian dye animal in it. I mean, how much money on the street is that? For ten thousand tabs of Russian dye animal at that time. I don't know, probably fifty grand. Probably fifty uh, grand. Probably they would wow. send me that much. Oh yeah, they'd send me that much. So would you sell it and then no, pay the I was Ukrainians? Their you what? I was I I I started developing a customer base through an underground magazine. Yeah. I was doing pretty well, but I, I was doing a lot of reshipping for them. So they would send it to you, and then you would send it. So you weren't actually selling again, like selling. You're kind of the middleman. No, I I was selling and being I was selling and shipping for them. Oh wow. So I'd get a nice discount for helping them out. And you got your national client base through your own ad. Underground magazine, yeah. Was it the same one? 
Mm-mm. Newsletter. Newsletter. Did the people at the magazine, did they know what was going on? Yeah, it was an underground, it was an underground steroid magazine. So I mean, like, they were talking 90s. He, right. Nobody really cared. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. What, what did like an advertisement cost for you in that? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. That's but it, it, it wasn't real blunt. What you'd write, you'd write you have aerogenic AIDS. That was the code word for steroids. Huh. That makes sense. Why was that? That's just a code. That's just a when you say aerogenic aid, that's that was that was a What's slang mean? for steroid. It was slang for steroid. Aerogenic aid. Do they still use that today? I I've been out of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. See, today's a different <laughs> world too. You can buy some like today. There's like peptides and SARMs. You can actually buy SARMs on the internet, huh. like Osterine. Okay. You, it's not illegal. It's black. It's very gray market, but like Austrian and stuff, some of that stuff is, I hear it's pretty good and it's, it's borderline legal. Is that SARMs, is that the uh, hormone they take from like milk? See, I'm not, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't study it anymore, but there's like peptides and SARMs. The, them SARMs, like Austrian shit, I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard, and they, they test you for it and you get nailed for it, but I've heard it helps your, I've actually heard it lowers your cholesterol. I mean, I, I've kind of read about it a little bit, it's kind of interesting to me, but I can say, and, and they, if a guy's going to do it, he better get on it because they're they're going to make that illegal and all this shit blows over like the corona and shit. Because right now it's got everybody occupied, but once this gets over, they're going to come in on stuff like that. There's there's a few more SARMs. The, the one that stuck out was Osterine because that's the one I was looking into. That, that was sense. yeah, and that's been around for a while. But like, it is something that's been, been blown. I've been seeing more stuff about that here recently. Yeah, and, and you can you if. It's an underground lab. If you're if you're if you're buying it for something like experimental use or lab use, you can buy it. Some some gray market thing or some. Right. It's borderline legal. The way I get it. Well, There's a lot of stuff like that right now. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, peptides. I don't know what they are. That's a whole. That's been a whole different thing. I'm old school. Testosterone, Deca. Oh, yeah. yeah, same here. Winstrol. <laughs> um, so you were, you know, you did the whole steroid thing. I know a lot of people are thinking, like, you know, what your personal life was like. You actually had a daughter, yeah, close to my age. So she would have been born around what ninety five, ninety three. Okay, so she, um, you had her. That kind of changed your life. And I thought what was interesting is you didn't really talk about the money that. You didn't care so much about the money, just what it, prov- it provided you free time? Yeah, provided me free time with my daughter. Yeah. Me and her mother split, and I still got to be, she let me stay involved with her in my daughter's life. You know, she, my daughter spent a lot of time down at her grandmother's, and I would always go down there and pick her up. I mean, I, first day of school, did all that stuff. You know, I, from, from child, you know, she was born to five, six years old. I mean, I was there basically every day, even though me and her mom were split. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of people don't really, like, I don't know how drugs or um, I don't know how steroids is like for profit compared to like other drugs, but it just you it was just interesting to hear you talk about you know you didn't care about the Free money time, as much. you know. Plus, plus when you're in a business like that, there's always a chance that man you could hit it rich. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got back. It ain't like the internet today where you can get on and buy stuff. I mean, I had a monopoly on top of the line stuff right here in Southern Iowa. I mean, A one grade stuff. Yeah. Pharmaceutical grade stuff. You had a really good quote in the book, which I, maybe I can find it real quick. But um, if you don't, I mean, I don't want to crap on Centerville too much, but they, it's, 
been labeled the meth capital of the world, which I feel like it's kind of BS because I feel like it used a, to be. There, boy, a, it used to be the '90s, boy. Yeah, but a lot of people say that about their small town. I feel like any small town in Iowa, they're like, "This is the meth capital of the world." So I don't know. But you have this quote where you said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and read it." My small hometown of Central Iowa was always considered the methamphetamine capital of the Midwest. I really don't know if that statement was true or not. I can promise you that in 1999, Centerville, Iowa was the anabolic steroid capital of Iowa and quite possibly the steroid capital of the USA. It might have been. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you ever talk to other dealers and stuff or no? I didn't know any other. I was a dealer. There's no reason to me to talk to them. <laughs> I supplied dealers. There's no reason for me to talk to them. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you believe and that's thing, true? People want to know how much money I made. I know people are going to. I threw out the term $75,000 once. I don't know, because I did a radio show. And to be honest with you, I just threw that term out. Yeah. But I'll, I'll put it like this. In 1995, I was flat broke. Probably had 1000 bucks in my name. When they busted me heavy in 1999, I had close to $30,000 saved, stashed. And you got in 99, I was flying all over the world, too. Mm-hmm. Plus, I uh, went over, the, we'll talk about later, I went to the Ukraine, threw $10,000 in my buddy's lap. And what, what I'm getting at, I, have, I had $30,000 stashed. You know, mm-hmm. I've worked for 10 years now, and I don't have $30,000 stashed, and I've got a pretty good job. So that's how I'm going to answer how much money you made. That makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't keep track. Did you ever splurge on anything? I like to travel. What was the dumbest thing you ever bought? I didn't buy dumb stuff. Nothing? I, I like to travel. You weren't like a car guy? No. Or, uh... I, I was pretty smart about that. I kept... Didn't buy fancy cars. Yeah, it seemed like you're never trying to be very extravagant at any point. No, you just wanted to I, live I'm your still daily not. life. No, I'm still not. I like to gamble. Boy, I like the horses. Did you ever so, hit a big with gambling? I've hit a big. What's I've the biggest big. you've ever done? I've lost two. <laughs> I, I hit a 75 to one shot at Perry Meadows once. 75 what? 75 to one. Wow. Had 10 across the board on it, paid 1,082 bucks. But I've given that back plus more, man. Let's not lie about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you I'm good at it. If I was good at it, I wouldn't go to work tomorrow That's morning. John. John would that's me. You. I'm really yeah. good at sports uh, betting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all are. Well, I've, you know, I've only lost money, so. We all are. <laughs> I'll tell you about all my wins, though. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, I, uh, I think about this Prairie Meadows. I got a player's card. You give me free rooms. Free food, discount on my hookers. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it all evens out. Well, I look at it. I go to Prairie Meadows, bet horses. I get free hotel room. I can stay there and get smashed. And I don't have to worry about driving home. That saves me $11,000. <laughs> yeah. The glass is always half full. Here's, every gambler has like uh, something to like um, reason why they gamble. And for like me, it's like, I could take my fiance out to the dinner and movies. That's gonna cost me like 50 to 70 bucks, or we could stay home and I could gamble on the Lakers for 50 to 75 bucks. And I could possibly make, I could possibly make the money back. It's entertainment. There's zero hooks. It's entertainment. That's why, I, I mean, I mark it off as entertainment. It's entertainment. Yeah. You can't gamble, more, if you're, if you can't gamble more than you're willing to lose. The thing about it is, I'm gonna be honest, being in this game I was in, it's kind of, it's, a, it's almost addictive gambling. Yeah. You're always looking over your shoulder, and that's where I get my fix now. I go bet on the horses. Did you? So you were competitive your whole life. You still said earlier you, you still compete in like. Yeah, uh, I tried to. What, what's the class called? Is it old timers. The old timers. The old uh, claiming horses. You're still doing 50, 50 uh, <laughs> meter dashes yeah. and the old timers uh, races. And so were you kind of getting that competitiveness like because you said you know i was we were the steroid cap of the world in centerville uh were you getting that competitive like did you want to be competitive did you want to make money well did you want to be the best though 
Yeah, I want to make money. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, but I wasn't consumed with it. Like, free time's hard to beat, man. I mean, you, we'll start. You know, we'll get in where I was traveling with Bobby Hoffman. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't put a price tag on that shit. So let's let's get into that since we're Good. here. You this the whole book. You have like two separate stories. Yeah, there's a, there's a plot and a subplot. So there's the main plot. That's why that's why I'm on your show. That's why I'm on this kid's show. The uh, the MMA part of it. Yeah, so here we do wrestling. We do a little bit of MMA. I think uh, you should get in the cage. <laughs> Me? Yeah. You got, you got Mike England help you out. You got yeah. Johnny Wolfpack over here. Trade, <laughs> you know what I mean? Shout out to... Your little girlfriend could be the ring card girl. <laughs> <laughs> nah. You'd be good at it. How long do you think I'll last? How many rounds? Oh, hell, I don't know. Yeah. Don't under I'll go ahead, yourself. I'll go what do you weigh? I'll go ahead and show you these. What do you weigh? Me? I've been stressed. You got either. that wrestling background. <laughs> yeah, you got that wrestling background. Yeah, what is it? More than I got. Dynamite comes in small packages. Yeah, there you go. We get you in there. Yeah. I weigh 135 right now. How, if I started, if I hooked up with Dr. Joey, what would I get up to? <laughs> Dr. Joe's out of business. <laughs> the old Dr. Joe. Old Dr. Joe. You want you want to keep your weight down, we'd make you stronger. You okay. Want, Fight at a lighter weight. 135 would be a good weight. You'd be a bantam weight, whatever that weight is. We'd get you stronger. The, 99, the 1999 Joe would get you stronger. Okay. Well, Got that reach at 135. All right, we'll, we'll be in touch. If you guys start seeing me looking swole after the show. It's... Yeah, he's getting it for somebody else, not me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, really big, really quick. Yeah. <laughs> actually, we brought the Centerville PD in. Can they come out? You guys again, huh? Yeah. Um, so the subplot. Yeah. Bobby Hoffman. Bobby Hoffman. A lot of people, he gets skimmed over a lot, but the UFC today is not what it was back in the day. Like, it's on ESPN now. That's yeah. owned by Disney. Yeah. The UFC back then was a lot more underground. They just had UFC 252. Bobby Hoffman was a heavyweight from Centerville. He was on UFC 2, like the second card ever, right? No, nah, he, he didn't make it till, uh, I was in the pen. He didn't make it till uh, the year 2001. Still no, early. No, t- 2000. We fought Maurice Smith. I mean, 2000. the UFC was a thing in like, what, 99 or 98? Yeah, he, uh, he didn't start. He, he got into it in 98. And he, so he was going around. He was going, and it wasn't even called MMA then. It was called No Holds Barred. It was called No Holds Barred, Bare Knuckle Brawl, I mean, Submission Boxing. Right. MMA was a term. When, uh, and here's how this worked. Me and Bobby... We we were on the same football team, but he's two years younger than me. Our family, our our fathers were friends growing up. Mm. We had an uncle get killed in the same car wreck back in '62 that we'll never meet. He gets into the sport, and uh, he has three fights. He won his first one, lost his second one, won his third one. But uh, and he was going to fight Natomwa, a guy named Theo Brooks. He called me up that night. I've never, I wasn't an ultimate fight guy. Still, I take it or leave it. I, he wasn't, he, I wasn't an ultimate fight guy. He calls me up and wants me to be his cornerman. So we, we, we're, we're two guys about the same age. We see each other around. We're not real good friends. We see each other around. And uh, I said, all right, man, whatever. So we go over there, and he beats Theo Brooks. He's lucky to beat Theo Brooks. He, he got a bad cut in the fight. He got a cut over his eye. The referee could have stopped it. But he goes ahead and beats Theo Brooks. Um, after the fight, he says, hey, man, uh, I need somebody to help me out. I need somebody. I mean, he's going to get an extreme challenge heavyweight title fight versus Andre Roberts. 
And Extreme Challenge is uh, an upcoming, it's the second largest organization in, in, the, in the United States. UFC's first. Extreme Challenge, Monty Cox is the second longest running show in, a, in the United States. So I got a fight against Andre Roberts. I need you, you know, I need somebody. He knew he was a track athlete. I need somebody to run with. So I was kind of skeptical because I saw his fight. And the only fight I saw him fight was a fight he lost on tape. Mm. He looked horrible. He got beat by a guy that you shouldn't have got beat by. He's fat and out of shape. I said, whatever, man. And that summer, <clears throat> I was kind of skeptical. And that summer, he, uh, that was in May. And in August, when we showed up for that fight, I mean, he, he, he looked like a whole different cat. Mm. It was, and while I was running with him, I mean, let's talk about the elephant room, but I'm not going to detail what was going on, okay? Mm-hmm. But I had the guy in shape. We yeah. went down and ran. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the guy, the promoter didn't know who the hell he was. He walked in there. I mean, it was the, it was a Mr. Clean-looking Bobby Hoffman. Yeah. But we, uh, we got the opponents changed, Andre Roberts back. See, Andre Roberts weighed 300 pounds. And our, our, uh, our fluff is, we're going to go out and out condition this guy. So we're going to train like a marathon. In the old extreme challenge days, it was one 15-minute round, a one-minute break, then a five-minute round. And if it went to distance, automatically called a draw. So when you see all these old schoolers, all the draws on their, car, on their record, that's why. Mm-hmm. Extreme challenge. There was no judges. It was like a, it was, you either knock the guy out or it was a draw. <laughs> I think that's, that's true. I don't think that's that, old school. That but, wouldn't pass today. No, no. But uh, You know people are going for the finish then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There was no, there was no judges. Like, and look at, look at some old schoolers' records. Travis Fulton, he's got a ton of fucking draw. And so uh, Andre backed out of the fight. He had a sore hand or something anyway, and Hoffman was pissed because they, they, uh, he never did trust Monty. He said, they're bringing in ringers on me. They brought in Kevin Costner's bodyguard, who was a kickboxer from California. And uh, he's almost backing out of the fight. I said, man, you got to do this. Fuck, I mean, we train, we got to do this. All right. But we said, uh, we're in good shape. You know, the humidity is going to get to this California boy. And uh, if, if, if it had been later in his career, he would have, he would have hammered him easy. <clears throat> but he, uh, he finally got the kicked out boxer down and pounded him out. <clears throat> and he became Extreme Challenge heavyweight champ. And Extreme Challenge heavyweight champ was a big belt because it was a st- stepping stone in the UFC. Mm. And so you mentioned Monty Cox. Monty Cox was the promoter. He's a, he was promoter and he was actually Bobby's manager too. I wasn't actually Bobby's manager. I was his cornerman, conditioning coach. I was a go-between between Bobby and Monty because there was some friction there, and Bobby just, Bobby's Bobby, if you know what I mean. He, For those he who don't like know it. Bobby, what, how, would you explain, like how would you explain Bobby? How can you explain Bobby Hoffman? <laughs> he's an athlete. He's, he's, he was a great athlete. Yeah. The guy, we talked about this on the phone, the guy should be in the Athletic Hall of Fame. Yeah. But uh, small-town rumors got to him, you know. They, they want you to be a choir boy to get in the Hall of Fame. Right. And he should be in there. The guy played Division One football. He was in the Shrine game. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was a good wrestler. And he, and he should be in there. Let's say Bobby Hoffman moves out of town in 1985. And you'll hear from him 10 years. The rumor mills don't catch up with this guy. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. And, and, and his picture should be there. And uh, there should also be a picture of how he was a pioneer in, in MMA. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you guys are, Monty Cox is getting you guys fights. So you guys are traveling all over, and this is where some this of the- was at first. It, it was we wouldn't get many fights, and yeah. it was frustrating. I mean, it was kind of because we were ready to go. I mean, is it, that because it wasn't a big scene, or I don't? Well, we he had a, he had a he had a uh, he had a first title fight or defense in October that year. 
he beat the piss out of that poor guy. I think he sent that guy in retirement. <laughs> we saw a film of this guy. He was a submission guy. He was going to lay on his back and try to submit him. Well, it was a bad matchup for him. Bobby really hammered him. Give him a, give him a pounding. Because Bobby was a stand-up guy. He was a ground-a-pounder. Yeah. At first, he was a ground-a-pounder. Did Bobby wrestle? Yeah, he got fourth in state in wrestling. Really? Oh, yeah. He's well, a, deck of a heck of a dirty boxer, too. You get, yeah. he put, he'll put your pressure up against yeah. the cage and toast At on. At first, it wasn't like that. It was all ground-a-pound. When we was traveling, it was all ground-a-pound. It was phenomenal to watch him grow on his feet. It really was. No, he, at first he was just a, a mauler, get you on the ground and pound you out. That's what his style was. But he, uh, he eventually, he got where he was tougher than hell on his feet. He had yeah. developed a health and knockout punch. Yeah, he, he had a lot of power, but he'd also, you know, put you up against the cage, put his weight on you, yeah. toe stomp you, and lots yeah. of elbows and lots yeah, of he, stuff yeah. inside. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He's a fighter. The guy's a fighter. And, and he, he developed that, you know, throughout – you know, he evolved into that type of guy. At first, he knew very little. Before we get into, like, you guys flying around the whole country, you guys went to Burlington, Iowa, and one of my— That was it. One of but my, he beat that poor Paul Well. One of my Paul. favorite uh, stories in that is the ticket story. Yeah. What happened there? See, like, your cousin Mike gets big support, Mike yeah. Engley. He's got a cousin—he gets big support. Centerville, we got no support. Mm -hmm. I mean, people thought this sport was fucking disgusting. You hoodlum for doing it. What's he doing? You know, he's a villain. I mean, he was yeah. a villain. People didn't like it. So anyway, I got asthma. I don't have to do coke. But anyway, <laughs> he, uh, so I get Monty Cox, I order 50 tickets. Bobby's got this big thing. He's going to sell these fucking tickets. He, and uh, I sell like four fucking tickets. There's like four <laughs> people center in the crowd to yeah. watch this guy pound this poor son of a bitch. But anyway, he, uh, so before the fight, I go, here, Monty, uh, I only sold four tickets, man. All right, he goes, take the tickets. You got the ticket master up front. Well, I, I gave him about half of them. I stuck there in my pocket, went out and did a little scalping, you know, so we could have a little <laughs> beer and hotel money for after the fight, you know? Yeah, you said you made like, you made $200. <laughs> yeah, I made a couple hundred yeah. bucks. And you said you don't, you don't regret it. You're like, nah, I don't regret it. Mon Monty probably, he probably, Monty probably frowned on it, but oh well. Monty's making big money off Bobby. So I'm sure Monty get over it. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things, but you talked about like Mikey having support and stuff. It's kind of crazy because Mikey's got that kind of the recipient of what like you talked about Bobby Trailblaze Bobby for the pioneer, sport. Yeah. So it made it popular. He was one of the people that made it popular worldwide. But I remember growing up with Mikey, you know, my brother, he had videos, VHSs that we rented, you know, from the video, whatever rental place of Bobby, you know, fighting King in the Cage or Pride yeah. Fighting or yeah. all, all those big shows, you know, so. It's pretty cool that he, you know, he paved the way, and he's from yeah, Central and Mikey's, you know. And, and that's why I say he, maybe, maybe the museum out here one of the days give him his due when he's dead and gone, you know. But mm -hmm. the guy was, uh, <clears throat> I mean, he was, uh, he was the best in the world. He's ranked 16th in the world one time. He's an underrated guy. I mean, yeah. uh, he, his style of fighting, defend the takedown, take a punch, throw a punch, that'll be effective in heavyweight division till, till the end of time. Because he always got that puncher's chance, and he never been flattened in a fight. I mean, he had a... You could hit him with a two-by-four. It's not going to hurt him. His problem was sometimes he just didn't like to train after I, after I was out of the scene. But I always had that guy in shape. When he showed up, he was in shape. So is it true that his career in fighting started because he was at an event just watching and uh, a fighter didn't make weight or didn't show or something? There was a local guy in town named Clayton Miller. He basically got the sport started. I think Bobby went to a show with him. I wasn't there. And I think he, he filled in for somebody. Yeah, like they asked, does I, anybody want to fight I from the crowd? So. See, I, I, I wasn't around then. Okay. 
I wasn't around then. That was that was his first first fight against. Yeah, I wasn't around then. So so you had you know the whole steroid thing going on. You had the Bobby Hoffman, you being his cornerman thing, flying all over the country. Were you still able to run your steroid operation oh, yeah. during all this? Just the weekend. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we. I mean, Salt Lake City. That'd be a weekend thing. Yeah. You know, or Hawaii. That'd be a weekend thing. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the Hawaii trip. So Super that's, Bowl thirteen. Super Bowl thirteen. So that was uh, that was like his big. That was like a ten thousand dollar cash prize, right? That made yeah. That tournament made Bobby Hoffman. Yeah. So what was Super Bowl? Well, 13? it was uh, there was, was a battle. Of, there was a big event. I mean, it, but there was more than the heavyweights fighting. But it was called the Battle of Young Heavyweights. Mm -hmm. And uh, the winner got ten thousand dollars. Loser, second place got fifteen thousand, fifteen hundred. Excuse me. Mm. And uh, the first night of the fight of the night, he fought a guy named Rico Rodriguez, who went on to be UFC champ. Yeah, and uh, he, he was the uh, he was the uh, Abu Dhabi champ too. All, we didn't know what that meant. That, yeah. We had no idea. That's how backwards we were. Yeah, we weren't in the locker room saying, "Hey, you know, this guy's got submission hold." But we we had no clue. We, <laughs> all, we didn't know what it was. We thought we just some. But he went out there and. Uh, well, the Abu, for those who don't know what the Abu Dhabi champion is, like, that's World like, that's like the Super champion. Bowl of, of jiu-jitsu. wrestling, yeah. Basically, it's jiu-jitsu submission wrestling. And that you, you guys are wrestling the best guy in the world, or you guys are fighting the best guy in the world. Yeah. I, I, I can reassure you there was no commentary in the locker room. Hey, let's watch this guy's submission. Well, there was nothing. Yeah. We didn't know. I mean, yeah. that's we didn't really care. So what was the game plan? Go out and knock his fucking head off. That was Bobby Hoffman's <laughs> game plan. Every and and how, did it, how did it go? It went uh it was back and forth for a while. Rico was a good wrestler. Bobby finally, uh, he, he got his first knockout. He hit, he hit him with a big right hand, and he went and took a knee. And what's, what's kind of funny about that fight after I watched it, in high school, I watched Bobby Hoffman have a, a fight down at the local park. Mm. And it was almost eerie how, how similar it was. There was this new kid come in, he was, a, he was a senior. And of course, Bobby, I don't know, something happens, they had a challenge down at the park. And this kid was whipping Bobby. He was jabbing him, jabbing him. Bobby threw a big right hand. That kid went, took a knee, and it was almost the exact same thing what happened in a Rico fight. It was, it was pretty eerie, really. Did you talk to Bobby about that? Did he remember that? Oh, he remembered. Oh, yeah. 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 That's only, that's, I, we talked about his fights in the park. <laughs> that's where it started. <laughs> that's his amateur career. Yeah, we talked about that. Went he, to, over on Devil's Hill. No, it was right in front of, uh, no, it was right, almost right so when, when you pulled in the park. Yeah. Right, right there by the. I was right up front there. The we, didn't, we didn't hide it back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like right, right on the main street. <laughs> That's usually where those happen. The, all the yeah. high school fights, right there. He's <laughs> closest to, from the high school. He's walking. Yeah, right yeah. We had a big crowd. Yeah. Teachers asking who won. <laughs> yeah. Did he ever lose any of those fights? I, I, I probably. I, I don't know. Yeah, there, there was a kid in my my in my class who used to give him a pretty good tussle. Yeah, where's yeah. that guy now? I don't. I think he's up in Des Moines. His name was. Yeah, he was a pretty tough kid. Yeah, yeah. But but Bobby wasn't Bobby then. You know yeah. I mean? He he wasn't hooked up with. Huh? He wasn't, he wasn't hooked established. Up with, but anyway, the Super Brawl 13, he beats Rico Rodrigo. Rico goes on to be UFC champ. In his next fight, he fights a kid named Heath Herring, and we're do he's dominating the fight. But uh, it, it was clear across the ring. It was in a boxing ring, and I'm in the corner, and uh, I didn't see it, but. This kid got him in like a submission hold. Bobby posted his arm and this kid snapped Bobby's elbow. And, uh, I, th and I didn't see it. And Bobby comes back to the corner and he said, that fucking kid just broke my elbow. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, he broke my fucking elbow. Like, oh man, and it was like, oh shit.
I said, and it was never, it was never throw in the towel. The towel was just to wipe some him off. That was the rule: never throw in the towel. <laughs> so we, we, he went out there, he threw the kid down, and, and he uh, he won that fight. But, he snapped uh, his elbow in the fight and won the won same a, fight. He won that fight. He got him down. But in, in the next fight, we had a fight, Josh Barnett, and uh, I mean, in between the fight between Harry and Barnett, uh, we had, we tried to doctor his arm up the best we could. I mean, it was literally. I mean, you could tell. I mean, he was sick. I mean, he—we he, literally thought he broke his arm. We got an X-ray la on it later. It was severely sprained, but the guy could barely lift his arm. Mm. And uh, when it comes to that Super Brawl, I'll watch the Rico fight. I'll watch the Herring fight. But I don't watch the Barnett fight because mm. it was—he uh, took an ass beating. He really did. How much time did you guys have in between fights? Probably—I I can't remember. Maybe forty-five minutes of that. <clears throat> yeah. In that three-hour time span, he fought three of the toughest guys in the world. I mean, yeah. He, he, so he, he ended up winning that last one? Or no, he, just, he, no Josh, he lost? Josh, Josh, and, and, what, and I remember being in his corner, and he was, he was a sick fighter when we were in there. He had a great look in his eyes, and I remember him looking at the clock just trying to survive the round. And uh, <clears throat> on the plane trip home, man, he got like – to make a long story short, he got like $500 for that because he had to pay – Money is twenty percent. He had to pay his flight out there and all this shit, you know. So, and, and I'm in his ear on the way home. I'm saying, "Hey, man, we're going into professional wrestling. Fuck this shit. We always wanted to do it anyway, you know. Go to so he would have been a good professional wrestler. He looks like a hoodlum. I would have been. A, he said, "You big your manager. You look, you know, you piss people off. You got that, you know." And that was kind of what. And after that, he's like, "I'm not going to watch you get your arm broke for five hundred bucks, pal. This is this is some bullshit here." And uh, but when we got back home. The uh, a reporter from uh, a magazine called, and I talked to him earlier. I seen him at the pool in Hawaii before the fight. Anyway, uh, he wanted to do an interview with Bobby, and they did a big write up about uh, how he was the toughest man on the planet because of the elbow. Because of the elbow, and <clears throat> it made him. Yeah. I mean, it. Uh, and people realized then that hey, uh, if you're if you're gonna get in a cage with this guy, ring this guy, he's uh, he's you're gonna have your hands full. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember after the fight, man, this may sound, but, you know, I carry, how to get him back to the locker room. I mean, he's, I get him in the shower. He's puking blood and shit all over me. This guy, Barnett pounds him. I mean, but Bobby does pretty well for one arm. And when you look at that fight, he's a one-arm fighter. I mean, people make see that shit on the Internet, make comments about it. He had one arm, literally, one. And he he did pretty well, but Josh, big, strong kid. I mean, he lost He's a UFC champion. Yeah, UFC mm -hmm. champion. He fought two UFC champions one night, plus Heath Herring's a world-class fighter at Fought in Pride. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody in MMA's history fought three tougher guys in one night. I really, I want to see if they have. Yeah. So you guys, um, also, I want to talk about, too, like a lot of people, you know, especially with UFC getting bigger nowadays, everybody's like, I want to be a fighter, I want to be a fighter. Yeah. But you talk about in the book, going back to the hotel after that Josh Barnett fight and, like, what that looks like, a lot of people don't realize yeah, I mean, what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, especially in that locker room. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, uh, that was the first fight. I mean, like Salt Lake City, he got his nurse first knockdown Salt Lake City. He's starting to develop on his feet. You know, it was just party after the fight, you know, and good time. But yeah, I mean, that was the first, like, hey, this shit, this shit's brutal, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we're, all, we're on the wrong end of this one. And so Monty was paying you guys too to go out there? Or like, how did you fund like your end? Because I'm sure he wasn't well, I paying. Didn't, I didn't take money. I, even yeah. I managed fighters later, I didn't take money. It, it was just something for me to do. I mean, this. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get to travel the world with a fighter. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that shit. I mean, you know, you can't. Mm -hmm. 
Did you ever pick up clients uh, while you were going? I had one. One? Yeah. yeah. One guy. Yeah, he yeah. used to call me. He used to call me back in the day. I'm not going to say who he is. He was in the UFC. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, what's crazy about the UFC is like they just started testing not too long ago, so a lot of those older guys yeah. have now been in trouble. Their tests would have been easy to beat anyway. Yeah. I, yeah, I think. Like I say, water bait. Yeah, they've been easy to beat. What do you think about um, when people talk about, like for baseball, for instance, the summer of 98 when you had Mark McGuire, <laughs> Sammy baseball. Sosa, you think it's good for the sport? It saved baseball after the 94 strike, whether you like it or not. I mean, it brought people back in the stands. Yeah. And it really wasn't illegal then. I mean, it, they really, the government leaked those people's names on it. That was supposed to be confidentiality. They took tests. That was called the what report? The Mitchell, Mitchell report? report. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say to the people, though, who would say that the guys who don't want to do the steroids, like, to them? Here's my thing about steroids, man. You can't give a carnival point. You can't give a carnival pony steroids and think he's going to win the Kentucky Derby. Mm -hmm. You know, people think, I mean, he might be the fastest of the carnival ponies, but he's never going to be able to run with thoroughbreds. People get this misconception. I get this all the time. Boy, if I knew he was doing that, I would have took steroids, got in a cage. I'm like, when he done any good, he just been some fucking thug bum, you know, on steroids in a cage, and mm -hmm. it don't make you a great athlete. You know, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it really don't. <clears throat> Some people got this misperception. Hey, if I shoot up, I'm going to be this great athlete. They make a great, good athlete, great, better. But steroids, if if you can't walk and chew bubblegum at the same time, it's not going to help you out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know the steroid thing. Should it be legal? I don't know. Somebody like Alex Smith, yeah, he's had 15 surgeries and he wants to bounce back. You know, he got a he got a uh, quarterback depleted league like the NFL. If he wants to take it, whatever. There's mm -hmm. the NFL guys that help their body recover. I mean, I. I those are big monsters crashing in each other. If they got, they need to take something. I'm glad they're legalizing marijuana. Yeah, you know because that that that'll help them. But I don't know if it should be legal. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's that's a not for me to decide. What's going on, guys? Thanks for listening to that episode. This is Stalemates Tyler signing this off. Hope you enjoyed part one of our Joey the Needle interview. We have part two up and ready to go for you, so if you want to hear that, just sit tight. That episode is coming up next. <laughs>